0: good morning to all of you now it's uh, up to me to speak a little bit you know tough act to follow but i'm sure it'll be all right uh we're going to be in john chapter 4 and uh, we'll be looking at just the last little bit of uh the story of jesus with that samaritan woman john chapter 4 and i'll be reading from verse 27 down to verse 40 42 so if you have your bible please follow along with me verse 27 of john chapter 4 Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, What do you seek? Or, Why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your word now, we pray that you would be the one who speak to us, and that through your Spirit we would see the truth that is, uh, that is given to us here, and that we would embrace it and receive it and be changed by it. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, so you know this, this passage comes right at the end of... Uh, John's detailing of Jesus' interaction with this woman from Samaria. And uh, over the last two weeks, you know, we've looked at all the wonderful conversation that Jesus has had with this woman. And they talked about living water. And they talked about how to worship God, how to approach God. And this Samaritan woman is so floored by her interaction with Jesus. We read there from verse 27. She goes back into town and she starts proclaiming to everybody in the town, Come! Come and see this man who's so amazing he knows all my sins he's told me all that I've ever done and he's told me wonderful things can this person be the chosen one of God the Christ who was to come and she's drawing these people from the town to Jesus who's sitting at a well maybe a mile or two away from the town and in the meanwhile between her going back and getting the people to come to Jesus we see Jesus talking with his disciples Who have now come back from buying food in the town, and Jesus tells them something really interesting, and it continues that idea here in the book of John of Jesus using something physical to teach about something that is spiritual, because he says to his disciples who must have come back with you know some really awesome food, and he says I've got food to eat that you do not know about, and the disciples, you know, we can understand why they might have misunderstood. They think to themselves, oh, he's got some secret stash. He's got food. You know, somebody else must have bought him food. Or he's got a stash in his belt that we didn't know about. He's already eaten. But Jesus says, no, you, you misunderstand. The food that I'm talking about is something completely different. And he says this curious line. I'll read it again there in verse 34. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me, who is God the Father, and to accomplish his work. And so what Jesus is referring to is that his food is actually to do god's will and to finish god's work now if you're kind of thinking what is what is he talking about what is god's will what's god's work because you know food is pretty important food is sustenance it's satisfaction we need to eat and we do love to eat i mean i certainly do love to eat it it fills us with satisfaction it gives us the necessary sustenance to go on And if Jesus is saying that doing God's will and God's work is that sustenance, it's got to be something pretty important and something that we've got to understand if we are to have that. So what's Jesus saying? Well, luckily, He doesn't leave His disciples or us in the dark because He goes on and says, now, think about the harvest. You know, especially if you are familiar with farms or you have a family or friend who is farming, you'll know that the harvest is a really important part of the year. You know, they sow the seed and they fertilize the ground. and They put the water in. They're waiting for the harvest. All of their work for months on end is so that they can receive a great harvest. Get that vegetable, sell it, eat it, store it away. But it's all towards that harvest. And Jesus says, look, you know, we all know that there's probably four months before a harvest. You put the season, whatever it is, you prepare. It's probably four months left before you can receive anything. But he says, when I'm talking about a harvest... I'm talking about a harvest that is already here and it's ready. And he says the fields are white for the harvest. People have already sown the seeds and watered the ground and fertilized all the, all the ground. It's ready to be reaped. You know when, they, when the reaper goes around and he cuts off the wheat and they stash it in bundles. It's ready to be gathered in. Now what's Jesus talking about here with this harvest? Actually we'll see a case example but what Jesus is talking about is actually the, the gathering in of people who trust in God. What he's talking about is the, the sowing and the gathering of eternal life. Now, how do you know this? How do we know that Jesus is not just talking about harvest in general? Well, there in uh, verse, 30, uh, verse 37, we talk about, you know, he says in verse 36, excuse me. He says, already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So clearly there's something here that's more than just the, the physical earthly fruit that we think about from a harvest. And that little hint tells us that Jesus is talking about something far more important. He's talking about this spiritual harvest of people who comes to know God through Him and receive eternal life. And remember this is John chapter 4. And or earlier John's already told us about you know, all the wonderful things that Jesus has come to bring to us. We remember there in John chapter 3, verse 16, how He says that everyone who believes in, 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 in the Son of God will not perish, but have eternal life. And all of that, Jesus is continuously teaching His disciples. And through John's words recorded to us, He's teaching us about this harvest that is to come. or that is already ready. Now there's three things I want to note to you about this harvest that He talks about. And the first thing He says is that the harvest is ready as i've said again the harvest is ready to be taken in people are ready to hear the good news they're ready to believe they're ready to be gathered into christ and to know him and especially as what we've heard from jeff you know there's so many of these students who are coming to new zealand they're open to hearing about who jesus is jesus is saying that the harvest is already here there's not four months left to go so rest easy until then no 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 The work is ready to be done. That's the first thing I want to know. The second thing I want to know about this harvest that Jesus says is that there's different kinds of work that goes into it. You know, here he mentions the sower and the reaper. Somebody's got to sow the seeds. And then someone's going to come and collect the, the wheat that's grown. And you can even think about somebody who fertilizes or someone who tills the ground. Maybe somebody who waters every day somebody who checks for weeds and checks for bugs there's a lot of work that goes into a harvest and what Jesus is saying here is that sower and reaper different kinds of work are going into the harvest and how somebody participates in this harvest might look very different from how somebody else participates but the one thing that is true is that sower and reaper are all aiming towards the same end right? They're all looking towards the harvest of the wheat. And everyone who who joins in this great work of salvation, they're all aiming towards one goal, the fruit of eternal life. That's what they're aiming towards. And even though they've got these different jobs and they're doing different things, they will all share in the same joy of the harvest. That's a really wonderful thought. Jesus is saying, no matter if you're sowing or you're reaping or you're watering, whatever it is you're doing, because you have participated in this harvest, when we come time to harvest and we get the wheat, and we're all so joyous because the harvest was successful, everyone who was involved will be participating in the same joy. You'll receive a share in that harvest at the end. There's that wonderful idea of this joy being shared everyone who puts in their different you know their different jobs that they've been assigned by the Lord of the harvest so that's the second thing I want to know about this harvest now the third thing and last thing is that Jesus says I have sent you to labor at this harvest and he's saying to the disciples but as was recorded for us he's saying also to everyone who would believe in him from then on he's saying it to us who trust in Christ and call ourselves Christians He's saying, I am sending you into the harvest. You are going to be reaping what other people have labored for. You haven't done all the work. You weren't there from the beginning. Perhaps when Moses and the prophets were beginning to give God's word to the nation of Israel. You weren't there, for example, here in this specific example when Jesus talked to the woman. The disciples weren't there. They had no part to play in that work that Jesus did. And yet just as we're about to read later on in this passage, they have a lot of work to do. A whole town is coming out for them. And Jesus says to them, you've got work to do, my disciples. And I'm sending you into that work. And what Jesus says to not only his disciples, but also to us 2,000 years later, that harvest is still going on. And he's sending us into that work. He's sending us to join in the labor of countless millions, billions before us. We are joining in that work. We are joining in that labor. And when we complete this idea of this harvest, we come to understand what Jesus means when He talks about, in verse 34, my food, being, you know, doing the will of God, doing God's work. What's God's will? What's God's work? His work is to bring salvation to people. His work is to bring Christ. The good news to people who desperately need to hear that good news. His work is the harvest of people to eternal life. That's what God's work is. And we can think of, you know, very simple sentences that Jesus himself says. For example, in Luke 19.10. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That is God's work. That is God's will. Have you ever wondered to yourself, I wonder what God Almighty wants. He wants the salvation of the lost. He wants those who have rejected Him to be saved to eternal life. And for Jesus, the one whom God has sent to save the world through His death and resurrection, His heart's attitude was that His sustenance and His satisfaction was to complete that work of saving sinners. Now, so many Christians go through life, and they feel so empty because they have not remembered what Jesus said here. You know, if it's for our Lord, His food was to do God's will, for those who follow Him, if they turn away from doing God's will, how can they expect to receive that same satisfaction and sustenance? So many believers are famished, hungry, Because they refuse to remember that they are here to do God's will and to do God's work. And it's not a, you know, don't imagine a slavery kind of thing. Oh, I really want to go do this, but I have to do God's will. No, for a a genuine believer who knows God's love for them and God's love for others, it'll be a delight to continue God's work. And we know it is. I mean, reaper and sower, they share in joy. The business of heaven is joy. And for every believer who genuinely does God's will, they delight to do His work, they will experience so much joy. They will experience that sustenance and satisfaction that Jesus Himself experiences constantly. That's the promise that that Jesus gives to His disciples. We see it here. My food is to do the will of Him who sent Me and to accomplish His work. It will be the same food to you if you aim your heart to do that same thing and you know so many of us and and i'm one of them we can think to ourselves you know we're not always like that we don't we don't do that perfectly and we can't do that perfectly because we're so filled with our own sins and our own weaknesses that's why it's so important to to come to god and to ask him lord change my heart help me to, to experience and to taste that you are good my soul desperately needs to be satisfied in you and in doing your will we can go to him we can ask him we're not supposed to be locked down with guilt what jesus says here is not a guilt trip saying well this is what you should be doing what jesus is doing is he's offering this delicious food to us and says you can have this your soul's satisfaction come and follow me In doing this work of bringing salvation to people. That's what Jesus is saying. He's offering to us. He's opening His arms to us. As God always does. Inviting us to join Him in that work. Really the question for us is. Are we convinced that the harvest is ready? Are we convinced that people we talk to. God will open their hearts to Him. We must be convinced that the fields are white for the harvest. Jesus Himself said so. Are we convinced that we each have a part to play? Do we say to ourselves, well look, I'm not extroverted, I can't talk to a million people and not get tired, I can't fulfill the Great Commission. Well, no, everyone's got a different part. Perhaps you're just here to sow a seed or till the ground or fertilize the ground or water, or perhaps you're the one who's going to be reaping the harvest. But regardless, you have a part to play in this harvest. Are we convinced that we each have a part to play? according to the life and gifting and different relationships that god has given to us every one of us does have a part to play sower and reaper they will participate together to bring about their harvest and they will experience the joy of the harvest together. A wonderful promise that is given and lastly are we convinced that christ himself has sent us into that harvest to labor alongside Countless saints who have gone before us. We are joining in their labor. And in the end we will rejoice together with them. It's such a wonderful thing. Now just to close I want to look at the case study the case example of what this harvest looks like. Look there in verse 39 to verse 42. We see in this direct example of the Samaritans coming out from the town to come to Jesus. This is what the harvest looks like this is what it looked like for Jesus's immediate disciples and as we look at it I think we're going to learn some wonderful lessons some encouraging things read there in verse 39 many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony now just stop there that's a pretty interesting verse to say you know we know from this chapter that the woman was not an upright kind of person she's had five husbands And the man that she's living with is not her husband. She's not a morally upright kind of person. She certainly didn't have many friends because she came to the well all on her own in the middle of the day in the heat of the sun. So this woman wasn't a respected member of community. She wasn't the the leading scholar. And so everybody listens to her. She was kind of a nobody. And yet in her excitement after meeting Jesus personally, she gave such a compelling testimony to the town and they all came out to Him. They believed her enough to actually come to Jesus for themselves. And what this tells us is that our own personal story, our own little testimony of how God has changed us and helped us and revealed Himself to us, it's pretty important. It has a part to play in the harvest. This woman barely knew anything about Jesus but what she did know so exhilarated her that she couldn't help but call out to the town, come and see this man. And for all of us who have genuinely and personally met Jesus Christ and have seen how He has saved us and delivered us from our sins, He's changed us and made us new, we've got a story to tell. And our story will be And shall be used by God to bring other people to come to Christ. Now notice, her testimony is not, now listen to me. I've got all the answers now. Jesus has told me how to worship. It's not on this mountain or on that mountain. It's in spirit and in truth. I'm a theologian now. No, she's not calling people to pay attention to her. She was calling everyone to pay attention to Jesus. And that's what our stories of our own personal testimonies should aim to do. It's not about you. Sorry to break the bubble. It's about Jesus. It's about Christ. And our stories should be aiming to him. But you know the wonderful thing is that the, the faith of the town did not ultimately rest on the woman's testimony. Which I think is a great thing. Because for all her wonderful openness, she is still just a human being. She could be wrong about this person. That's why we read as we go on. They say in verse 42. They said to the woman. It's no longer because of what you have said. That we believe. For we have heard for ourselves. And we know. That this is indeed the savior of the world. Through her testimony. At first at least. They came up to talk to him. And they asked him to stay for two days. But as they heard Jesus for themselves. And have personally Come into contact with Christ. Oh they say we don't need the woman's testimony anymore. We've heard Jesus' words for ourselves. And because we have heard it for ourselves. We know he is the saviour of the world. Their faith ultimately rested on the words of Christ himself. And in fact every genuine faith must ultimately rest on Christ's word. On God's word. There's no such thing as a second hand relationship with God. We know that you can't simply come to know God and never have personal contact with Him. How can you believe for yourself that He is the Christ unless you come face to face with Him and hear what He has to say? And the testimony of not only the woman, but at the end of this passage, the whole town of the samaritans was that we have heard for ourselves we know he is the savior of the world and the whole testimony of the bible as they record all of god's revelation all of jesus's words and the gospel accounts the testimony is this that jesus is the christ the son of god he is the savior of the world and the testimony of thousands of years of church history all the christians throughout history their testimony is that jesus is the savior of the world and this morning my testimony and how god has changed me and opened my eyes to see christ i'm saying to you i know he is the savior of the world and especially if you're with us this morning and you are not yet a christian i would beg you to consider the testimony that is being given all throughout the centuries right from the beginning god has been revealing himself and culminating and pointing for us to the apex of jesus christ the savior of the world he is the savior and everyone must know him and what i can say to you is i would beg you plead with you to consider seriously the testimony that is being given here and to take the bible and get a copy of the bible And read for yourself what Jesus has to say. Why not come and hear Him for yourself? You don't have to rely on our testimony. You can hear Christ yourself. And come face to face with this person who so changed the life of this town. Who so altered all of human history. Who's changed my life and countless others here this morning. Consider their testimony. Come and hear what christ has to say let's pray together father we thank you so much for this morning and we thank you especially for your word lord there's so many wonderful things here weighty things but joyous things we pray lord that you would uh, work in the hearts of all of your children all of your disciples and help us to realize that the harvest is ready and that you have called us to participate no matter you know how we participate You have called us to be part of that labor, part of that harvest. Help us, Lord, to move forward knowing full well that it's not a heavy burden, but a joyous and wonderful thing. Help us, Lord, to to think and believe just as the Lord Jesus Christ thought and believed and trusted that our food is to do Your will and to complete Your work. We do pray, Lord, that You would work in everyone's heart here to help us to see Christ and to hear Him personally. And as we hear His words and read about Him and see His wonderful glory, would you give us faith and increase our trust in Him? He is the Savior of the world. Would you reveal Him to us O Lord? We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.